Thank you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. Sozo, how's everybody doing this morning? Awesome, good to have you all in the house with us this morning. It is good to worship the Lord together, amen. Amen, we are back in the Gospel of John. Um, four of you are excited about that, that's more than enough for me. Um, uh, we've been here for a while, we, we, took, we took the month of January off, but we are back, uh, we are picking up where we left off. For those of you who've kind of been uh, just hanging out with us uh, this year, uh, you might not realize that we're in John, but we are, um, and we have some resources that we would love uh, love for you to, to make use of. Um, the first is, um, these are something that Crossway has, has developed. We didn't make this. These are called scripture journals. Uh, we read here out of the ESV Bible uh, because it's better than yours, and um, kidding, we don't care. It's just the one we picked. Uh, so uh, what, what Crossway has done is, this is the ESV Bible, and on one, one side of the book, You've got the Bible, and on the other side, you've got a blank page that you get to mark up, write in, and do all that kind of fun stuff, too. So uh, we've got these. These are just the Gospel of John, so you can be able to do that as we study through this. Uh, the team has also produced in-house here uh, booklets that give you a chance to take notes during the messages, and also, uh, and this is really the important part to us, uh, notes during the messages, but give you, gives you a place and gives you tools to learn how to study the Bible for yourself. Amen? Because we love to hear the Word of God preached. <clears throat> We love to hear the word of God preached. Um, but one of my, one of my mentors uh, in the Lord and the ministry uh, once described uh, um, hearing the word preached versus learning to study for yourself. He said, uh, you know, hearing the word preached, hearing somebody else read the Bible to you is like chewing somebody else's gum. So the action is the same, but the sensation is all different. <laughs> uh, so, so we want to help you learn how to study the Bible for yourself. So those are right over there. Here's a great deal. Uh, if you buy both of them, they're 20, no, they're free. You can have them. Uh, we don't sell anything here. Uh, you can please make use of those. Grab one of them. Uh, we'd love for you to take them and use them to your heart's content. Amen? Awesome. So we are in this series through the Gospel of John. We have reached John chapter 15. Uh, um, but here's the deal. We've been gone so long, I think it would be good to just, just start over. So, um, I'm kidding. Do go to John chapter 1, but also go to John chapter 15. Uh, let's go ahead and stand to our feet for the reading of God's Word. We like to stand when we read the Bible around here, amen? Because uh, we believe it is the Word of God. We believe it's living and active, not dead and passive. Uh, so we're going to read a good chunk of John chapter 1 because uh, I want to remind us, hello somebody, what this thing is all about, amen? So let, let's, let's read John chapter one. Let's read this together. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Everybody say the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of of men, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, 
that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Verse nine, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus. Can I get an amen on that one? Come on. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the the Father's side. He has come, or sorry, he has made him no, now let's go ahead and fast forward. Uh, you remember all the, all the other chapters. You got all those down, memorized. You could say them backwards if you needed to. So we'll jump to 15, John chapter 15. Just gonna read six verses this morning from John chapter 15. Jesus speaking here says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear fruit more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse five, very important. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone, does not abide, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch, withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Let's pray to the Lord this morning. Come on, we, we love God's word, amen. Can we thank Jesus for his word? Praise God for his word. Holy Spirit, we thank you this morning for your word. God, we rejoice, we celebrate over the reality that you have spoken to us. Lord, we could pack up and leave here now and we will, we will be able to know that we know that we know in the deepest part of our knower that you've spoken to us. So thank you for your word. And yet, God, even though we receive the, 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 the scriptures as your word, we boldly and yet at the same time very, very dependently, God, ask that you would come breathe life upon what we have just read and do the miracle that you do where you take your word and you let us hear your voice in the midst of it. Teach us, Lord, how to discern your voice. God, that we might hear you, that we might perceive you, that we might, we might be transformed in the hearing and the receiving and the perceiving, God, that we might be transformed down to the very core of who we are. We are not at all in any way, in any shape, in any form interested in some kind of religious behavior modification, in, in becoming more moral or upright people. No, God, we wanna be transformed by your grace and by your truth. Your word says, Jesus, you came full of grace and truth, and we wanna drink deeply of that grace and deeply of that truth this morning. 
God, would you come and do just that? We give you space. We make room for you to come and to speak. God, let us hear. Let us receive. Let us be transformed by what we hear, being doers. Come on, church, of your word, not just hearers. Lord, where where your word pushes up against our presuppositions, where your word presses up against those things that we have come to believe and hold on to that are in erroneous and false and wrong, God, would you just uproot those things so that the, the seed of your word has room to let roots down deep within the topography of our soul, that it might change who we are, God, for your glory and the good of the earth. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Come on, everybody said? Amen. Greet somebody around you real fast and grab a seat. Amen, amen, amen. Good to be in the house together this morning. <clears throat> I'm personally excited, I hope you are, to get back into the Gospel of John. Um, for the month of January, we talked about being people of his presence, and what I want you to see, what I hope, rather, that you see today as we get back into John is that that is not a departure from where the Lord's taking us in this book. That being, understanding that we, we are people who are designed and desired to be with the Lord is not something that is contradictory to the revelation that John is trying to bring to us and Jesus did bring to us, amen? And so uh, I want to just, just touch on a few things. If you're taking notes, uh, and I hope you are, I want to talk under the title, under the heading this morning of Fixing Your Eyes, Fixing Your Eyes. I want, I want to look at, I want to remember uh, John chapter 1, verse 1 through 18 uh, real quick, but, but I really want to spend most of our time in John 15, so let me, let me go quickly uh, through the midst of this. Let me say, let me summarize John 1, 1 through 18. As God in flesh, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. As God in flesh, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Uh, uh, that, that's, that's not just clever wordplay. Uh, I'm not just a Thrice fan. Um, it, it's, it's also uh, from Colossians. That's from the Bible, amen? Colossians 1.15, Jesus is the image, the, the image of the invisible God. So, so here's what I need you to grasp. If you wanna know exactly who God is, what God is like, how God behaves, look simply to Jesus. Just look to Jesus. Just fix your eyes on Jesus. Jesus is God's full and final revelation of himself to his creation. If you're, if you're waiting for like a, an upgrade on the revelation of who God is past Jesus, you're, it's, it's not coming. It, 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 you, you got the whole thing. Jesus is the full and final revelation of God to his creation. Now here's where summarizing and my brain don't work together. 
Because I need us to, to wrap our arms around John 1, 1 through 18, so that we can understand what Jesus is doing in John 15, 1 through 6. So you're welcome. Jesus, as God incarnate, as God wrapped in flesh, came to those who should have known him, yet through the deception of, of rejection, rebellion, and religion, have inherited a distorted, diminished, or delusional view of his true identity. That, that, that's John 1. He says he came to his own, he, he came to creation, right? Creation should have been able to recognize its creator. Like that, that should be a given. Like, like, like I created, you should know that. And yet creation, it says, missed him. He came to his own. That would be to the nation of Israel, which was the people God had chosen and selected and said, you'll be my people, I'll be your God. So that God wraps himself in flesh and comes to the people. You would expect his people to see Israel. She should have known him. And yet the Bible says, nope, didn't receive him. Didn't recognize him. Did not acknowledge that, yep, this is the same God that led us out of Egypt. Jesus, wrapped in flesh, God wrapped in flesh, came to those who should have known him. Why didn't? Didn't creation recognize him? Because of the deception brought upon us by evil in an unseen realm. Deception that, listen, scripture makes very clear. We both, we both chose and were fooled by. It's, it's not one or the other. It's not, you, you don't get to just say, well, the devil fooled me. I've said for years, on my best day, I don't need a single demon. I can screw everything up on my own. That's not to deny the presence of supernatural evil, Amen. I'm just saying like that, 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 just, that just stacks the deck even more against me. Because of this, because of this, we were, we were duped into rebelling against and rejecting God. And then we built religions to try to appease God or some God that we wanted to be God. And all of that gives us, I put it here, distorted or diminished, right? So distorted, it's, it's a wrong view Right? It's a view that, that, that sure, has anybody ever been to, to the fair and, and gone to the funhouse mirrors? Right? It, it, and you, you look at yourself, and, and, and one of them you're like, I like this mirror because you're taller and you're maybe a little narrower. And, and he's like, this one I like. And then other ones you're like weird and your face is distorted. Listen, what I'm telling you is we, in perceiving God through the lens of our deception, of our rebellion and rejection, and even religion, have a distorted view of who God is. If you only know Jesus, big, big statement here, and I will stand behind it. If you only know Jesus based upon what you've heard from pulpits, you do not have a clear picture of Jesus. Because I wish I could say that I have always and every preacher always just per perfectly represents Jesus, but we don't. And, and here's, here's, the, here's, here's the reality. Even when we do, I've learned something. I, I talk for a living. It's, it's really weird to me. I was, I was meditating on this this week with the Lord, like that this is what I do. Like this is, can you just recognize for just like two seconds, just stop, take off your Christian hat for a second and go like, this is weird. A bunch of grown adults just gathered in a room and screamed our heads off. I mean, sang. And now we're all sitting and listening to one guy just ramble for like ever. And, and some of y'all do this every week, 
right? And like, this is, this is what I do. Here's one of the things I've learned in getting to do this weird thing that I get to do. The more, more people you get into a room, I love you, the dumber we all get. Right, like you can talk one-on-one -on -one with a person, you can talk with them, one-on-one -on -one with a person, you can get them to understand what you're saying. You can, mostly, wives are looking at me like, mm-mm. Um, <laughs> like parents are like, teach me how to do that, right? Like one-on-one, like, like, -on -one, you've got a, your best shot. Can we say it that way? You've got your best shot at getting somebody to understand what you're saying. The more people you add to that, the more confusing it gets. Can I get an amen from some, some school teachers, right? Right, like the more kids you have in your classroom, the more you're like, they're, they're all demons. My, my grandma used to say this, my great grandma, she used to say that, that one boy is a whole boy, two boys is half a boy, and three boys is no boy at all. And she used to finish it up with, and my granddaughter has four boys. Um, so pray for her. Um, so that's my mom. And so, so, like, the more people we get, the, the less we understand. So, so even if a preacher was able to perfectly convey who Jesus is, chances are, I love you, you wouldn't hear it right. So if you only know Jesus based upon what you've heard from preaching in platforms, from podcasts, from the opinions of others, you have a distorted view of Jesus. Or you might have next, a diminished view of Jesus where you see him as less than what he is. Flat out, you might just have a delusional view. You might just have come up with some random thought that you had. I've taught you this before, but I'll teach it to you again. Not every thought you have is worth thinking. That right there is worth the price of showing up to church this morning. Or like, just because just you thought it does not mean you should, listen, okay, let me explain. You, despite what 18-year-old you thought, you are a finite being. You have limits. Okay, I, the, the older I get, the more I realize I have limits. Right, like, like, I stayed up until midnight the other day, and it took me like two weeks to catch up on that sleep. I was like, why'd I do that? That was dumb. That was so dumb. Because morning still comes at the same time. This was stupid. Right, like, I used, to, I used to be a youth pastor. I used to stay up all night and, like, show up to the office the next day, like, whenever, before everybody else and like, be, like, bouncing up and down. I was fine. And now, like, no, not so much. No. 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 Naps are awesome. Naps are a gift from God. He gives his beloved rest. So, um, where was I even talking about? So, <laughs> right, we have limits. Your brain has a limit. Let me, let me put it to you real blunt. You have a set number of things that you will be able to think. Use your thoughts wisely. See, our thoughts can lead us down delusional paths. I talked to a young lady recently, and she professed to be a Christian, and I had a sense that she was delusional. So I said, well, what do you, what do you believe happens when you, do you believe Jesus is God? She said, yeah, I believe Jesus is God. I said, okay, do you, do you believe everything he taught? Well, I don't really know about that. I think maybe the Bible was distorted or whatever. I was like, okay, we can have a conversation about that. Let's talk about this. I said, do you believe that, uh, what, do you, what do you think happens when you die? Do you think Jesus was right about eternity, right about the supernatural, right about the unsupernatural? Well, no, I'm kind of more into like this reincarnation thing. Because I think God just like wants us to get it right and he's really concerned about how right we get things and so he's just gonna give us as many chances as we can and once we get it right, then we get to go off to like some other place. She was delusional, right? She, 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 but what I'm saying is she had these thoughts and she just kept chasing these thoughts until she just came up with, she created a God, what the Bible would say, in her own image. Turns out, the truth is, she, talking about her because she's not here. Um, <laughs> turns out she'd messed up pretty significantly several years earlier. 
And she thought there was no hope for that. So she thought she'd messed up so bad in this life, God could never deal with it. Once she heard what real grace was, she, she, she thought grace was, I try as hard as I can, and if I try as hard as I can, then God will make up for anything that I lack. But I said, no, actually, grace is, 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 is you suck at life, and Jesus didn't. Come on, somebody. Diminished, distorted, delusional. So Jesus comes, and because we've all inherited this, again, we reject God, we rebel against him, we build religions to try to get back to him. Because of all that, all of our view of God is messed up. Jesus, in the Gospel of John, Jesus in his coming, is fixing the way we see God. He's correcting. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you look at me, you want to know what God looks like? Jesus is standing in front of you, going, look right here. Jesus is, come on, the, the, the image of the invisible God. Have that in your thinking. Use that as the lens. Young person, use that as the filter. Come on, somebody. Use that as the thing that you apply as we look at John chapter 15. Because Jesus is talking about vines and vine dressers, and, and that's not people who put dresses on vines. That's, that's, that's a, a gardener, a farmer, a, a, a vine keeper. Jesus is not trying to teach you how to grow grapes. Jesus is trying to teach you how to see him, how to see his father, and how that relationship is supposed to work between the three of us. So Jesus, let's start where he starts. Jesus, he says, is the vine cared for by his father, the vine dresser. Jesus is the vine cared for by his father, the vine dresser, the gardener, the keeper of the vine. This is the first most important thing. And so often we're tempted to just skip over this and get to the branch part. Did you hear when we read it, the branch does not get defined till verse five. We're like, well, I want to talk about being a branch because you're selfish and self-centered. I love you. We just want to get to us. Well, where do I show up in the story? I, told, I taught you this before, right? The most important thing to do, the first thing you need to do when you read your Bible is find Jesus, right? But it, it's important to find yourself too, but we need to find Jesus. And we, we so often, we wanna just skip that and get to the part where like, where do I come into the story? But we've gotta, we've gotta grasp what's happening here or we'll miss the whole point of why we're in the story, how we fit into this whole thing. Jesus is the vine cared for by his father, the vine dresser. The father and son, the vine dresser and the vine, they share, what he's saying here is we share an intense intimacy. We have a joint purpose. We, we have a, a united pursuit in what we're after. Think about this for a second. My, you may be like this. We, we live in an amazing, amazing city, Amen. Two of you think this city's amazing. Shame on you, Christian. Um, this is where God called you. You might as well enjoy it, okay? Um, I know this time of year, not so much. This time of year, we're thinking, like, why did anybody settle here? Right? Like, there is sky and ocean and sunshine a little ways away from here. That's how I know postcards didn't, didn't exist back when the you know, trails were getting really, because everyone would just be living somewhere like Hawaii. We'd all just be living there and be happier. Um, so... So, 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 so we live in an amazing city. One of the amazing things to me about this city is, is you, can, you can be downtown, right, experiencing the joys 
and smells of downtown. And, and within 15 minutes, you can be picking fresh fruit. Like, 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 like that's just weird. That's not normal, right? And so, so we live in a place where we, we're, we're surrounded by, by food getting grown. I spent my summers, a good portion of my summers as a kid on a farm where we, we raised barley and, and wheat and, and, and all kinds of fun stuff. We, 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 had, we made food, right? My wife and I have discovered there's a, there's a little orchard that we like to go to where it has some of the best apples I've ever eaten in my life. And, and here, here's what we say. We say, man, that, that family grows the best apples. Does, does the family grow the apples or does the tree grow the apples? Yes. Because they're in, right, right, they're in a joint effort together. How, how, many y'all, how many of y'all have ever let a fruit tree in your yard just go to town? How many of you know that it don't grow very good fruit then? Right, it's a, what I'm trying to get you to see is there's a joint effort between the father and the son. They're not, at, they're not at odds with one another. They're attempting to accomplish the same goal. The thing they're doing is, is joint and together, the vine and the vine dresser. Does the vine grow the, the grapes or does the vine dresser grow the grapes? Well, well, we give awards to vine dressers. We don't give awards to vines. And yet the vine dresser can't grow anything without a vine. So, so they're, they're united together in their pursuit Jesus and the Father, the vine and the vine dresser, they're, they're together. They, they, they have this, this sort of relationship. Without losing this understanding, right? Jesus and the vine, they're working together. There's this intimacy between them. There's this intensity to their relationship where the Father is, is uniquely invested in, in, in the vine. Jesus then moves on and tells us who we are in the story. We're branches connected to him as the vine. For those who've repented and believed the gospel, amen, we, we track in together, right? This, this, this is speaking of believers. And so Jesus called then to us as, as branches connected to a vine, cared for by a vine dresser. Jesus calls us to rest and remain in the life-giving union and intimacy of mutual indwelling. That's how I define Abide. That's how I define abide. I, 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 I'm, I'm actually kind of nervous about defining something like abiding because it's something that we need to know experientially, not educationally. Right? This is not something you can just go like, hey, I know that truth, check that off the box. I've figured out what it means, therefore I can claim to have it. No, you don't. Any other children of the 80s collect baseball cards in the 80s? We else's dad think they were gonna pay for your college, right? Like, they're gonna be worth so much money. And then like, then the next stupid thing was Beanie Babies and now it's NFTs and we just keep throwing money at worthless crap. Um, and so, so we, we had baseball cards. I had all kinds of baseball cards. And those baseball cards had all kinds of statistics, come on somebody, about, about these, these athletes. But, but you, could, you could memorize the back of a baseball card and you still don't know the person. See, I fear that sometimes we approach abiding we approach knowing the Father, we approach knowing Jesus like we approach learning a skill or learning data. And we just kind of want to ingest it, kind of wrap our hands around it, wrap our arms around it, wrap our mind around it, go, okay, I understand that, move on. And Jesus says, you need to rest and remain. If this isn't a stop on the road, this is the whole journey. 
He invites us into this, this thing. And when, as, we, as we're united to him in intimacy, life begins to flow from him into us. He says, I'm in you, come on, you're in me. There's this, there's this thing that begins to happen between the two of us. You've gotta stay in that union. You've gotta lock yourself into that. You've gotta be connected. Jesus calls us to be the branches connected to him as the vine. What I, what I, why you need to see this is because in the same manner that the son and the vine relate to the father or the vine dresser, we too are, relate, are, are, are as branches to relate to the son, the vine. We're supposed to have a, a joint union, a common goal, a united pursuit. We're in this thing together. We're not, we're, not, we're not at odds with one another. We're not, we're not pulling in separate directions. I said, does the farmer or the farm produce the produce? The answer is yes. Okay, does the branch or the vine produce the grape? Yes. <laughs> right? It, it, it's, it, it's, it, the idea is that we are so intimately connected that it seems foolish to want to try to dissect it into its parts. That's the level of intimacy we are called to have with Jesus. That's the, that's the level of knowing and abiding and mutual, I love that for mutual indwelling. I'm in you, you're in me. We're gonna, get, we're gonna get into this more as we travel through John. Jesus is just sort of dipping our toes in this. If this is starting to make you uncomfortable, the idea of like, me and Jesus are like supposed to be the same, like that makes me uncomfortable, like just wait till we get further into John. You're gonna hope we could just back up to here and it wouldn't be as weird as it's gonna get. What we need to understand is everything flows from the place of abiding. Everything, everything everything flows from the place of abiding. To the point at which Jesus says, apart from me, you can do some things, but not everything. No, he says like, apart from me, you can do nothing. And my, my argument to that is, I, yes, I can. Am I the only one that pre-conversion did a whole bunch of stuff? Is that too real for some people in the room? They're like, I don't know, I was born with Jesus in my heart. And B-I-B-L-E, the book for me. That's like, I'm just like all the way. No, I don't know, no, I was just me and Jesus. All the, yeah, let, nope. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And yet I look at my life and I said, like, dude, I did a whole, whole mess of stuff. What's Jesus saying? Is he saying that, that, that apart from him, you just, you just fall over dead? No. I want to say something about that, but I'm going to just avoid that because there's some things I want to say about some people that aren't in Jesus and then falling over dead, and I shouldn't say that. So there are some areas of our country that would have a lot of dead people is all I'm saying. Um, so what Jesus is saying is that anything you can do outside of him is not worth doing. It has no value. It's, 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 it's worthless because it's worth less. Apart from him, nothing of eternal significant value can be accomplished. But we, we've got to we've we've grasp this. Okay, little bit, little bit, little bit, 
of, of understanding how plants work. Do you get that there's no, there's no pump inside of a plant that draws nourishment into itself? That there's no, there's no, there's no, there's no device inside of the branch that is actively, you know, in its own effort and strength drawing nutrients from the vine. No, it does something called, it, it does this through something called capillary action. Capillary action is, is, the, is the scientific term for when there's such a narrow, a narrow space that the surface tension of the liquid is enough to draw the liquid up. This is how sponges work, people. You dip the corner of the sponge in the water and it fills it up. Or if you were like me when I was a really little kid, you take a sugar cube, you dip the corner into some coffee and it draws the coffee into the sugar cube, best coffee-flavored candy you've ever eaten in your life. Endorsed by every dentist I ever went to see when I was a kid. Okay? Capillary action. What, what, what am I trying to show you? Even the drawing nutrients isn't done by effort on your part. Everything flows from being connected. Everything flows from simply making our priority to remain and abide in him. We, see, we want to make this more complicated so we can make it we can have a good excuse to not do it. Well, I was, I mean, if this, we want this to be putting together furniture from Ikea. Right, like you're like, I saved so much money. I'm like, not when you pay for therapy, okay? You gotta factor in the therapy you have to pay for after you put the thing together and you're missing the Florgeth Lugerman and you just, it just, no, and you're just done. And I saw somebody selling a piece of Ikea furniture and they wanted more for it than what I could buy it for from Ikea. I was like, that's dumb. And then I thought, it's cheaper than therapy. Everything flows from union. Every, we, it's not complicated. I, I didn't say it wasn't hard. See, we, we like to substitute hard for complicated. We want something that's easy to do but complicated so that we can start to do it, it gets too complicated, we can quit. We don't like things that are really, really simple and really, really hard because then we, the only excuse we have to not do them is just don't want to do them. I just don't want to. Everything flows from union. Everything flows from union. So vital is our union that without Jesus, he says we can do nothing. I think there's another reason why we fight this, though. And I touched on this the last time we were in this text, and so I'm not going to spend too much time here. I, I, I hesitate to go into this kind of stuff in, in the scriptures because I don't ever want you to think uh, that you can't read your Bible and know Jesus. Okay, like, like we're big Bible people around here, right? Now, that doesn't just mean we like big Bibles and we can't lie. It means that we, we like the Bible a lot. You are sinners. Um, okay. It means we, we, we love the word of God, amen? Right, like we, we love the Bible. What we do around here, we just, we just teach through books of the Bibles. We love the Bible. You, you need to get a Bible, you need to read the Bible, you need to love your Bible, you need to believe your Bible, amen? You need to believe it front to back. Believe the book of contents, believe the map, don't believe the maps, the maps are all wrong, but the, those aren't inspired anyway, so just... <laughs> Right, like we, we love the Bible, and, and yet sometimes we need to be honest about the reality that the Bible was written in a language that most of us do not speak or read. The vast majority of the New Testament was written in, in, in Greek. 
And this is one area, John chapter 15, specifically verse 2, that I think is not translated the best that it could. Without, without going back on the screen, because I don't want to take too much time, let me just read, reread this to you. Every branch, Jesus speaking. So let me, verse one, I'm the vine, my father is the vine dresser, okay? Mutual indwelling, they're working together, they're, they have shared goal, right? We're, we're, we're tracking with all that. Every branch, now we know what that means, right? Because we, we've read ahead, so right? All of us, says every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Everybody say take away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. That word, takeaway, iro, in the Greek, I do, it can mean, it can mean takeaway. Absolutely can be translated that way. But it also can be translated differently. Here, here's, here's the definition here. To raise up, elevate, or lift up. Here's, here's, here's the rest of it that, I, that, that blew my mind. To take upon oneself and carry what has been raised up or to bear. I think that's a better translation of what Jesus is trying to tell us the Father does. So, so let, let, me, let me explain this real fast, right? He's saying there are branches that are attached to me that are in a season where they're not fruitful. The goal, right, the goal of the Father, the goal of the vine dresser and the vine, the shared goal is what? The production of fruit, right? We're called to be united to that. That ought to be our goal. That ought to be our pursuit. We want to bear fruit. And yet there are branches connected. They're still abiding, and yet they're not producing fruit. And, and, and religion would come and try to translate it the way that it's translated in ESV and say, if you don't bear enough fruit, he's going to clip you. He's going to cut you off. And yet that's, that's so foreign to any of us in the way that we think about anything else in our life. Parents, track with me for a second. When your child goes through a rough season, when your child goes through failure and falling and frustration, do you cast them out of your home and say, you know what, get, get out of here and when you get your act together, you can come back? No, when our kids go through hard times, we draw near to them. This is a better picture, beloved, of what the Father does to us in fruitless seasons. His goal is for you to abide and produce fruit. So why in the world would he pull you out when he cuts you off if you weren't producing fruit. When he knows that the only way you're going to produce fruit is to abide. I would propose that what the verse should be translated is all those branches who do not bear fruit, he props up. See, what can happen to an actual grapevine is the branches, if they fall down too low, they can touch the dirt, and what they'll begin to do is send out roots into the dirt, but they don't have the necessary means to draw nutrients from the dirt. Is this not a, a perfect picture, come on, of what we do? We go through a rough season, something hard happens, and we begin to droop, and we start to look for somewhere else to try to draw our identity, our security, our joy. I'll just go look over here. I'll just go look. If I, can, if, I can just, if I can just accomplish this, if I can just get that, if I can just get them, if I can just convince them to do what I need them to do, if I can just find the right thing to look at, if I can just find the right thing to own, if I can just get the number on the screen in the bank account to get to a certain number, then I'll be happy. And the father in his love says, there's nothing down there for you. 
and he lifts us up. He props us up. He does what's necessary to keep us there so that our job can remain to just simply abide. So if you're going through a fruitless season, what can happen is you go, I'm afraid of being rejected by God, so you know what? I'll just peace out myself. Because we read this, religion tells us, hey, God, let's see, too many of us are still living in a, when we look at, when we look at God, we think good cop, bad cop. I know none of y'all think that. This is just me. That's y'all all see God perfectly, and if we were half as religious as you pretended to be, we'd just be fine. We, too many of us still see, see, see the father, right? The father is bad cop. Jesus is good cop. And the Holy Spirit is weird cop. <laughs> you just laughed at the Holy Spirit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? Like, that, that's the way we see God. We, we hope, like, we're cool with Jesus. Right? Like, I'm good with the vine. I'll abide in the vine. But, man, the father's going to come around. He's just looking for a reason to lop me off. Because I read the Old Testament, he's scary. We think we think the Father is the we think that, that Jesus that he's Jesus is just a teddy bear. He's just he's just wonderful because all the paintings in Grandma's house, Jesus had feathered blonde hair. He pet lambs. He liked kids. He was safe. I like Jesus safe until you read Revelation. You're like Jesus got angry. Apparently, there's tattoo shops in heaven because Jesus comes back with a tattoo on his leg and a sword coming out of his mouth, and we're like, whoa! But here's the problem. You don't have to wait till then. You can just hang around in John, and Jesus is flipping over tables. And we're good with the flipping over tables thing. We all, all the preachers like to skip the part where he went and made a whip out of rope and chased people out of the temple with it. But Jesus is a sweetie pie teddy bear. Just has a whip and tattooed up legs and a sword for teddy bear reasons. And we think the father, he's mean, he's angry, he's like a junior high boy, he's got his chest buffed out, he's looking to throw down. So you read John 3.16, it says that the father so loved the world that he's the one that gave his son. He's like, I thought God was, I thought the father was the angry one. See, we, we have this distorted view. Are you seeing where we get a distorted view? Good cop, bad cop. Holy Spirit's just weird and wild. He, but he's just, you know, you, you can just ignore him until you read you know, Acts chapter 5, and he flipping kills two people. They lied, and he's like, yeah, you're done. Do you think maybe, do you think maybe, do you think maybe our rejection, our rebellion, our religion have diminished how we see God? We try to just make him into little sound bites, into little clips. Jesus is my co-pilot. Switch seats. Right now, just switch you. So we've got, to, we, we've, we've got to get rid of this. And I think this verse is one of those places we go to. Come on. The vine's just wanting to provide for us. We just abide in him. And the father, he's just, he's just, he's got the clippers out. And if I don't produce enough fruit, but Jesus never says it's your job to produce fruit. He says, just abide in me. My father will take care of, of getting you from, from no fruit to fruit to, much, to more fruit to much fruit. That, that process is on him, not on you. I'm gonna liberate somebody. You are exactly, come on, where the father wants you right now in your growth in him. 
because, because, because he's in charge of it, you're not. Well, that's an excuse to be lazy. No, it's not. It's an excuse to abide. And Jesus says that only if you abide in him can you do anything worthwhile. So all I'm doing is telling you to just keep abiding. But I'm really going through a rough season right now, and it's really just, I really just keep abiding. But I really just, I need to get, just keep abiding. But you don't know what she did. To, just keep abiding. But last night, I just keep abiding. But I've disappointed God. Just keep abiding. How many penance do I have to do? None. <laughs> what do you need to do? You're getting it. <laughs> the Father is intimately invested in your fruitfulness. So we must confront and correct the way we see the Father. I, th I think church has done a good job of showing us the goodness of Jesus but I'm gonna talk from my own life. I have, not, I have not received an appropriate view of the goodness of the Father. Maybe, maybe your journey's different than mine, but my journey was Jesus is the good cop, the Father is the bad cop, and I better hide in Jesus so that the, the bad cop doesn't wanna smack me. But When you and I were lost, when you and I sold ourselves into slavery to worthless things, the only one capable of writing a check to buy you out of that slavery was the Father, and He did it. And He planned on doing it before you were stupid enough to sell yourself into slavery. So the next time you think that you are big enough to change the way God feels about you, realize that he loved you before you screwed up, made a plan to redeem you before you screwed up, and unlike a lot of us who make plans, hello New Year's resolutions, he went through with it. Until Jesus was able to say, it is finished, translated, paid in full. There's nothing left to be paid for. Here's, here's how religion jacks us up. You have a good week and you come into church and you're ready to come on my soul, let the lion out. But if you did something stupid last night, you walk in and think like, I can't do that. I don't feel like God loves me right now. Your feelings are lying. This is a feel-good message. It's not a feel-good message. It's a feel-right message. Is, does God know everything or not? Then, then, then last week when you did good and you felt like he loved you, he knew that this week you were gonna screw up. So why didn't he, why, did, why didn't he, if, if your behavior, if your actions can affect the way he feels about you, then why didn't last week he just be like, no, 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 I'm not talking to you. You're like, why not? It's like, you'll know Saturday. <laughs> Don't you remember 1997? I'm still mad about it. 2026, you're going to say something real dumb. I don't want to talk to you right now. But he doesn't do that, does he? So if you've ever felt his love, you are always qualified to know his love. 
fix the way we see the Father. All our, all our distortions, diminishings, and delusions about God are corrected and cast out as we abide in Jesus. As we just abide in him. As we just abide in him. Our only requirement is to stay connected, to abide. And, and everything in this world is trying to get you to just stop doing that. See, see here, here's the problem. I've shared this with you before. When you, when you make your goal, when you make your, your objective singular, everything else becomes the enemy of that. See, if you've got like 37 goals, then, then you have lots of, of things you have to manage. Jesus makes it real simple. Just abide in me, fight everything else. Just abide in me. Just, 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 just stay put. And as that happens, all, all of this messed up stuff begins to get cleared out of the way. As I realize, like, oh, he, he, he loves me. I think one of the primary ways that Jesus fixes the, the, the distortions, the diminishings, and the delusions that we have Part of the way, the, the primary way is when we see God through Jesus and when we see Jesus, when we see God through Jesus, the way that Jesus constantly, always, consistently talks about God is he talks about him as Father. Romans eight fifteen. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. Now, this is, this is, this is, we'll get to that one in a second. That's the passion. Let's read out of the ESV first for all the religious people. <clears throat> for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into what? Fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom you cry, we cry, Abba, Father. I, 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 I genuinely feel like the Lord said something to me about somebody here, and I need to just, just speak this to you. Somebody either here or that's listening, as I'm saying this, that we just need to abide, that we need to fix the way we see the Father, that we need to realize that, that, that it's just abiding. He's not coming around to lop you off. He's not doing that. Your thinking right now is to say, the only thing keeping me connected, here's what you're thinking. The only thing keeping me connected is fear of rejection. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Fear is never supposed to be the thing that keeps you connected to Jesus. See, this, this, is, this, is where, this, is where, this is where fire and brimstone preaching doesn't really work. I, I will be totally transparent with you. The first time I ran to an altar, I was just scared to hell of hell. Am I the only one? Am I the only one? Am I the only one? The rest of y'all are just like wonderful Christians that just knew Jesus loved you from the beginning. That's awesome. Praise Jesus. Liars. We're not meant to, John, 1 John says that perfect love, come on, casts out fear. So we have to, we have to begin to relate to God as, as, as Abba. As we do that, all these distortions, all these diminishings, all these delusions, they all begin to fall over and we can see him for who he really is. Now we can read the Passion because I like it. If the screen will go to it. Can y'all flip it to the, there we go. Maybe, we'll see, who knows, I love technology. 
Uh, and you do not receive the spirit of religious duty. I love that. Nobody else likes it? I like it. You do not receive the, the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God and you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father. Let's see this. The vine dresser is the father. The father is Abba. Tracking? Tracking? Okay, let's land this plane. Jesus is the vine. Abba is the vine dresser. You are a branch in the vine cared for by the vine dresser. If, if, we, if we could believe that, every, every hang-up, every addiction, every, every distortion of the way we see God, ourselves, and the world would be gone. Jesus is the vine. His father, Abba, come on, is the vine dresser. You and I are called to be branches in the vine, cared for, by the vine dresser. Let's peel the layer away from that. You're a son living in the son, cared for by your Abba. He's not just, he's not just Jesus. See, if you're, if you're, come on, if you're in the vine, the vine dresser doesn't know the difference between the vine and the branch. In fact, all the work that the father, the vine dresser, is doing for the branch, he's is doing for the vine, he's doing on the branches. Because can we, can we all make sure we get this? Like the vine doesn't need any work. <laughs> Jesus is not lacking in anything. In case you thought we were getting off track here, we're not. Again, this is the verbiage we use around here. We are a son, he is the son. We don't replace him, we join him. You are cared for by your Abba. When you do good, when you do bad, when you, when you fail, when you fall, when you go through frustrating seasons, he's still caring for you. So where we will land is this. How's your union? How's your abiding? How's your resting? How's your remaining? Are you, are, are you, are you staying rooted and planted, grounded, founded in him? Or are you letting religion tell you that you don't measure up enough and so you better run away when you have fruitless seasons? Listen, verse six, I read it on purpose. John 15, verse six says, if you disconnect, you're, you're, you're not good for anything and you will be cast out. There is a warning in the text about that, but it doesn't come from fruitlessness, it comes from being disconnected. It comes from abandoning the place that we are invited to by Jesus. It comes from rejecting the intimacy that he offers to us. Let's stand to our feet. I think God wants to fix some, some illusions, some delusions, some distortions, some diminishing of who he is. He wants to free some people to view God correctly rightly. I've said, this, I've said this for years, beloved. It is impossible to know God fully 
but it is possible to know God rightly. We're gonna, we're gonna literally spend, we're gonna run out the clock on creation, and then when time runs out, we're gonna spend the rest of eternity, timelessness, just staring into who he is and being blown away by seeing new and amazing and profound things. It's possible to know him fully, but it is possible to know him rightly. I just want you to take a moment to be prepared to respond. Get honest with yourself and with the Lord. And here, here's, here's, here's what I want you to ask yourself. Is there still a duality in the way you see God? When I do good, I see God as good. But when I do bad, I see God as angry. You say, well, preacher, the Bible talks about God's wrath. God's wrath is his just response to everything trying to hold you back from all that he is. We'll talk about that more later, but, but I'm, not, I'm not denying, come on, the righteous, just wrath of God. But what we've got to understand is that fire burns for your freedom, come on, not for your destruction. Is there still a distortion? Is there still a diminishing? Is there still some delusion in the way that you perceive God? Do you see God as anything other than your Abba? So you've got to see him as Abba so then you can see yourself as son. The way we say it around here, not lovely, but beloved. Your loveliness factor, come on, goes up and goes down. Your beloved status is a status given to you by the Father, and it does not change. Because in him, there is no shadow of turning. There's, there's, no, there's no hint of him ever doing anything that he is not doing right now. And he is loving you, and he is caring for you. So this morning, I want to just give us a chance to respond. We're, we respond here as, as a church three ways. Celebration, contemplation, communion. We're going to worship. We love to worship. Amen. We're going to lift our voices. We're going to worship this God as we see him. Come on, we sing to him. It's a simple response we see consistently throughout scripture. As we see him more clearly, we can sing to him more truly, more fully. Next is contemplation. We want to give room for the spirit of God to work that which he has spoken deep down into our hearts. I, I know I prayed at the beginning, but I really mean, I think today, maybe more than other days, there are some stones, some hard things in our heart that need to get uprooted so that some soft soil can be found that can take some root from the seed so that we can be, so that we can be, be reshaped in our thinking so that when we, when we approach the Lord, we don't approach him thinking, am I getting the good cop or the bad cop today? Am I, getting, am I getting happy God or am I getting angry God? God is always and only good. So if you don't know what season I'm walking through, God is always and only good. Three most common affirmations of the character of God in the Bible. He is faithful, he is able, he is good. time to fix some of this church. 
if we're going to be people of his presence, if we're going to press into his presence, if we're going to live in an abiding union with him, you've got to fix how you see. You've got to let that abiding. That's the amazing thing. It's the abiding that fixes the problem. Celebration, contemplation, communion. Two ways we commune. We commune through the, the act, the, the ordinance, the gift of communion that Jesus gave to us, remembering the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. As believers, we partake in communion together here as a church by the means of antiquation, which is where we take a piece of bread or we do have gluten-free on the white tables on the edge. We dip it in the cup and we partake. Like I said, these, this is a believer's act, so these tables are open to all who've put their faith in Jesus. If you're just here kind of checking out church, kind of checking out Jesus, we, we, we welcome you. This is a place you can belong before you believe, so feel free to keep hanging out. Here's what we would say, that every door almost in this church is open to you, even, even as, as somebody who doesn't believe, but this is a door that the scripture calls only believers to walk through. This is a gift given to Christians celebrating the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. So we're not gonna ask you to pretend like you're a Christian if you're not and come up and take communion. You can just hang out in your seat. No one will know. No one's gonna come around to dismiss Rose. You can just come forward as you feel led. If you're not a believer, if you're still checking this out, we would ask that you would just wait until you have made that decision. Here's my, here's my, here's my pitch. If you haven't made that decision yet, why not? Apart from him, you can do nothing. All the things you're filling your life with ultimately are worthless. But in him, there is everything that you need. Come on, church, there's everything that you need. He's everything. He's everything. He's everything. And the Bible says that simply through repentance and faith, we are welcomed into his family. Repentance means that we admit and we abandon our sin, that rejection, that rebellion, come on, even that religion. We admit it and we abandon it. Belief simply means to embrace and entrust Jesus. If you're doing that, the next way we commune is through communing one with another. Got a team of people that would love to stand with you and pray with you. If you're, if you're repenting and believing, they would love to stand with you, pray with you, welcome you into the family of God. Amen, church. But also, if you have need for anything, believer, non-believer, if you have a need at all, physical, spiritual, financial, relational, mental, doesn't matter. We would love to stand and pray with you because here's what we believe. When we pray, stuff happens. We're hearing reports of the Lord moving in the lives of people not because of who we are, come on, because of who he is. We'd love to stand and pray with you. We're gonna respond, so I'm gonna pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you this morning. God, we thank you that you are moving, that you are speaking. God, we ask that you would stir hearts. God, that you would help us to see you for who you really are. Remove, reshape, refashion the wrong ways we've seen.